Welcome to the Vince Vonathon. My name is Patrick. And I'm Taylor. And this is the show where we are watching every single Vince Vaughn movie. Uh, this is just our second episode. Hopefully you've already listened to our first episode where we talked a little bit about the premise of the show, why we're doing this research project, and Vince's very first film appearance in uh, For the Boys. So we're going to jump right into it. We're going to start this second episode talking about Rudy from 1993. This is going to be the first episode where Vince actually has like a real role in the movie. And he talks and he does things and he has a real character who affects the plot. And I think, But not until an hour and 17 minutes. Right, it, ta- it takes a minute. But uh, um, I think that we are lucky that it only took two movies to get there. Um, Definitely. A lot of people, you know, they'll play waiter number four for a long time. Um, Vince had a real part to play here. Unfortunately, <laughs> that meant watching Rudy again, which is a movie that I have seen about uh, Carrie the One four trillion times. Uh, so before I get into my little Rudy rant, Taylor, what is your history with the movie Rudy before rewatching it for this? So I pretty notoriously love sappy sports movies. This is something, if genetic, I inherited from my mother because she is obsessed with sports movies. She loves a good sports montage. So do I. So, um, you know, I grew up totally watching any sports movie that was on TV. So I'm sure that I also have seen Rudy upwards of 4 billion times. However, I will say until... You know, last year when we rewatched, which I can't even remember why we rewatched this, um, until last year when we rewatched Remember the Titans, and then this, you know, now watching Rudy, I think I realized that, like, I didn't have a super clear memory of what any of these movies' stories were. I just was vaguely familiar with them all, and they all had kind of blended together in my mind because it has been so long since I had seen any of them you know, on their own. So definitely a big sports movie lover. Um, Definitely think of Rudy fondly, but didn't have any particular memories of this specific movie. And a lot of it was a pleasant surprise for me. Uh, You know, all joking aside for myself, I think I'm probably at the point where I've seen uh, Rudy upwards of 20 times, which is a lot to see a movie that you don't even like that much. Um, I mean, this was a movie that I watched in like every middle school health class, every high school health class, you know, um, that we watched on every single cross country road trip where we had like, you know, a bus with a TV, you know, I mean, I must've watched it on various cross country or track trips I mean, just five or six or seven times. It became like a joke that we were watching Rudy again, right? And so um, rewatching it for this, you know, I, obviously looking at it through a different lens, right? Waiting for our boy to come on screen and um, also thinking of it in the context of the project um, that, that we're doing. However, at the end of the day, it's still Rudy. 
right? And it is exactly what you said, right? It is a classic, feel-good, inspirational sports movie, right? And that is a dying breed. Totally. If if that if that breed is not already dead, I mean, you know, um, just off the top of my head, I mean, like, just straight drama, sappy, inspirational, like. We are Marshals, and that was fifteen yeah, years ago. Yeah, we are ago. Marshall. The Express, the, Titans, the Blind the Side, the Blind Side. <laughs> um, yeah. but that's radio, like radio. But those were a while ago. I mean, you know, that, we're talking yeah. about two thousands movies. You know, so like, I think that's why I got into this haze of like, oh, you know, specifically. Um, other than The Blind Side, all of the movies we just mentioned, We Are Marshall, Remember the Titans, Radio, Rudy, like, those four, just, I was like, I don't entirely know what happens in any of them other than, like, a main thing. Like, I remember We Are Marshall has the plane crash. I remember, you know, uh, Remember the Titans has that, I don't know, who's that really cute coach? I don't know. What's I don't know. Anyways, um, but I didn't like remember anything really distinctive about any of them. So I just was like, I had blended them all together in my head because there was a time like 15 years ago when these are coming out all the time. And we're not, we're talking about the blockbuster movies. Like I'm sure Lifetime and, you know, those well, like direct to TV B-sides. movies were, yeah, you know, like we're not even touching to that. Mind. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, gosh, there were so many and, and you just don't see that anymore. I can't even think of one in like recent memory. I'm thinking of like Unbroken a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, honestly, that was probably a while ago now too. Um, the track, that track movie. And then, yeah, just straight drama. All of know. the recent sports movies that come to mind, like they're not about like it getting better at the sport. Yeah. Right? Like I'm thinking of like uh Ben Affleck's The Way Back from from a few years ago now. Like, mm-hmm. that was about him coaching the team and finding himself and working through his alcoholism. And um, uh, 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 I can't remember the name of the John Stamos show that's on Disney Plus right now where he coached the oh, girls' basketball yes. team. Like, that's not about basketball, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there were for a long time, you know, for a good 25-plus years – um, there was a solid streak from the 80s to the 2000s, maybe even extending a little bit into the 70s, that was just like, actually, I would go that far with something like Brian's song, right? That is just like cut and dry based on a true story. Something bad is happening or they're not very good or, um, you know. There's a hurdle. There's, there's some a hurdle. sort of hurdle. And they work through it and then they win the big game at the end, right? Or they do the big thing at the end. Rudy's a little bit different because it just follows him, right? And it doesn't have a ton of football in it because he doesn't get to play a ton of football. We should probably stop and um, explain quickly the plot of the movie for for folks that have never seen this movie. Um, Rudy follows uh, a a young man played by Sean Astin, Rudy Rudiger. I absolutely love Sean Astin. And watching him was such a treat. I just like... He was my first experience with Sean Astin is in Fifty First Dates because that was my favorite movie growing up, and I I love I just love him and everything he does. But anyways, continue. We must protect him at all costs. From from being a little boy, he's watching Notre Dame football on TV, and he goes, "One day I will play Notre Dame football." He turns around and says it to his family, and for some reason, his family, everybody's family, goes, "No, you won't." <laughs> 
They're not I've only never his family, his teachers, his peers. He Everybody, actively... his entire his entire youth. He says, I'm going to go play Notre Dame football. And everybody says, no, you won't, you big idiot. <laughs> everybody yeah, in his life. So his sad. father, his brother. Uh, yeah, this is a specific scene with one of his teachers where his teacher is like, you are literally too stupid to go to Notre Dame. I wouldn't even take you to the campus. <laughs> yeah, he like signs up or whatever. Or maybe he doesn't sign up. He just shows up. But the teacher's like, what are you doing here? Like, I know that you could not get in here in a million years. So like, please do not get off the explained. bus. I mean, he's definitely, you know, um, the character is definitely, you know, a simple minded guy. Right. Um, he's very sweet. And, 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 and he... Um, he wants this one thing, but it's never explained why no one believes in him. Like, yeah, he's little, right? Yeah, he's not the smartest guy in the world. But like, you know, there was no one, no one in his life that thought this was doable. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it does say like, oh, his grades are really bad, which like, I get it. Like Notre Dame is a good school and, um, you know you know he has bad grades but let's be honest with ourselves people don't roll tide with a 4.0 <laughs> and so yeah. i just think like and he's on his high school football team it would be a totally different yeah. movie if he was like the water boy of his high school right. football team he plays like football. but yeah he plays football and yeah. his coach loves him and thinks he's really wonderful but even his coach is like give up the dream baby <laughs> and so so he 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 works hard and he and he goes to the community college so he can transfer to Notre Dame and and he 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 plays high school football so he can get better football and then they let him walk on to the team um, but he doesn't actually get to dress right he's just on the practice squad and so for his whole career at Notre Dame he's just on the practice squad but he's like the hardest working guy in the practice squad. And everyone loves him other than Vince Vaughn. <laughs> and the coach. Uh, and he's the hardest yeah. working guy in the practice squad. And sure enough, it gets to the final game of the season, senior year. And he's never once even put on the uniform and gotten to play. Um, they don't even let him in. <laughs> they don't even let him in to the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird you it's would really think like at least so the practice squad guys would like get tickets or something <laughs> but like he like listens to the games outside anyway um he has to like mop the floors to get in uh anyway final game of the season and there's this dramatic scene where uh each guy on the team goes to the coach one by one and gives the coach his jersey and says, Coach, sit me out. I want Rudy to play in my place. And then every single guy on the team does that. And the coach is convinced to let Rudy dress and let him play. And then, of course, you know, there's no spoilers here, right? We talked about how this is a, a by-the-book sports movie. The movie ends with him getting to play in his final game. Right? For, like, the last ten seconds. He gets, he gets, he gets to play two plays. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, Which... You know, and and I think, like, the thing that doesn't even, the thing, just to, like, really double down on the fact that people don't believe in him, the coach is letting, like, every other senior have his moment, and he still is like, yeah, but Rudy might be taking it a little too far. Right. Like, every other senior, he's like, all right, all my greatest guys, come out, let the seniors have their moment, blah, 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 and he's like, but oh, maybe not Rudy, and then they're like, 
for real? Like, I, I don't even know, like, obviously it is part of the movie for these people to be like, yes, like, Rudy needs to go, and Rudy's the hardest working. But I also just think, is there a part of these guys that's just like, dude, you can't just, like, leave one guy out. So, um, yeah, I just... And ugh. so, yeah, that's the thing, is, like, the coach is the basically, like, the only person who gives a shit. And, uh, you know, in doing some research on this, what I learned was that the real-life coach didn't really have that much against Rudy. He just wasn't very good, was small, and he was only allowed to dress 60 guys for every game, right? Um, that was NCAA rules at the time. And they had 110 guys on the team. So that means, like, half the team every week didn't dress, right? And so if you are, the, even if you're the 61st guy, you're not going to play, right? Especially if you're the 110th guy, there's never in a million years are you going to play. Um, and so the coach is sort of like, uh, um, he's like villainized for this, and they really make the coach out to be like a like a real ass. And they just like lightly explain that there's no room for him on the team, but they never explain like why that can't be why there can't be an exception the last game ever you know i also um, think another he can finally realize this, his dream <laughs> yeah i also think another important part of this and like why not that i'm like this coach's apologist but you know rudy is happy just being on the practice team he was happy cleaning the floors like he kept shooting for the stars and getting closer and closer to the sun but you know, he really, like, he was happy. The only reason that he started really pressing the coach to let him dress for one second of one game was because his family didn't believe him. And so, which goes back to the whole thing of just, like, nobody believes this kid. This kid is literally going to practice every day, and his family's like, nah, not happening. Yeah, you're not on the team. Like, what are, like, no. And so, like, the the coach isn't a bad guy, and Rudy was, like, content with the situation that he had. He was just happy to be a part of the team. Um, but he asks for this favor, basically, um, because he really just wants to prove his family, prove to his family that he's on the team. So Vince comes into play here. I don't really see much of him until there's a scene where Rudy's on the practice squad, and in this practice, Rudy plays defense, and he just he just pancakes Vince Vaughn, right? And Vince gets up, and he's like, what the hell, dude? Like, it's just practice. You're just a practice squad, dude. Like, he says something along the lines of, like, this guy's playing like it's the Super Bowl. Like, why are you trying to break my legs in practice? And Vince's first real film moment, right? I mean, he had, you know, he had done some TV, been in some commercials. He was apparently an extra in For the Boys. But his first real film moment is this very, like, guy. It's like the, it's the role that everybody wants to play when you're a guy in your 20s. You want to have a moment where you get to scream and yell really loud and be pissed off and that's the whole scene, right? Yeah. We, we've all been there. I've been there plenty of times. <laughs> yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like, I am. I don't think that, like, Vince being amazing in this role is what catapulted him into, like, a stream of similar roles of being the asshole. Um, but he kind of was always going to be that. Like, he's 
he's striking and charming and handsome, but he also clearly is big and tall and um, can yell. So, like, he was always, to some extent, going to get parts like this. Um, and if you don't know, Patrick and I have a background in theater, so um, we are both very familiar with what it's like to be typecast and to find your niche, and I think Vince Vaughn found it in this. Um, and so he doesn't do anything Well, that's what's so interesting to me, right, is like the next movie that he's in is Swingers, which we have watched for this, but we'll talk about in the next episode. But uh, to just briefly touch on Vince and Swingers, he is so good in that movie. He's giving 110%. He's got this great character. He's got this great vibe. He's doing this bing, bing, boom thing. And he's just cooking, right? And I think it's a testament to the formulaic movie that is Rudy that a guy who is clearly very talented, you just get stuck in a I am the asshole role, right? I am the villain of this scene role. And... He doesn't get to actually do anything other than scream and yell. And, like, he's got it in him, right? It's not like he was still early career working out. Like, his next movie, is, you know, is, is a great performance. And, and he so, does have a few angry bits in that. He gets in a few yeah. scuffles with people and stuff. Yeah. So it's not like that totally goes away. But I think what Patrick's trying to say is, like, there is a lot of craft and artistry in his performance in Swingers. He, it seems like, at least, he's taking a lot of creative liberties. You know, he did not co-write Swingers with John Favreau, but he is obviously a, a dear friend of John Favreau's. And actually, um, you know, I did not realize, honestly, you know, John Favreau is in Rudy, and I don't think, I don't think that they had any scenes together. They were kind of no, in different worlds. Yeah, um, but... I didn't realize until I was looking for the Instagram today. It's Valentine's Day as we're filming this. And I um, wanted to post a scene from the breakup. And which, if you don't follow us on Instagram, it is at Vince Vonathon. But I was looking for a clip from the breakup. And I noticed that John Favreau is in the breakup. And I was like, huh. I knew that they did Swingers together. I, I saw the Rudy coincidence. And then I was like, this is Rudy really is the beginning of a long stream of John Favreau collaboration. But yeah. what I was trying to say is, you know, obviously he did not co-write swingers, but there was clearly a lot of John Favreau. I, I assume trusted him a lot to have a lot of creative Liberty with himself and his character and his acting. And so you're right. Rudy is totally formulaic. And here's this guy that is like so desperate to act and act big and act better and act the best. And um, he is just so tropey in. Rudy. Yeah. Which that's what the film is. And, you know, th these movies, I, I, I don't want to poo on classic sports dramas. Like these movies are huge. It mean a lot to a lot and of people. And I right? love them. As, as I've said before, I love these movies. I mean, just the, just the, 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 the list off the top of our heads of these movies that have just been like massive successes at the box office, at the awards. And I think that that's really interesting to see like going back and watching some of these movies and saying like they are cut and dry by the book, copy and paste. They are all the same thing, essentially, beat by beat, right? And saying we still love them all is it, so interesting to me because – I guess at some point we just got sick of them, right? I guess yeah. by, you know, 2010, we were like, okay, we've made, we've made them in every genre, right? We've, we've made 
you know, miracle for the hockey one. And we've done the greatest game ever played for the golf one. And like, we've done them everywhere. And that they just like, they don't make these movies anymore. And, you know, is that partially because I feel like maybe we made them all and like we covered all of those bases. And if we're making sports movies like they have been in the recent past, they have a totally different angle. Uh, maybe. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that Vince is definitely a, a symbol of just the way that the movie is. Now this guy is mean to him. Now this guy's mean to him. Now this guy's mean to him. And Vince is just like one of those guys along the way. Now Vince, um, uh, comes around, right? He's very nice to Rudy by the end of the movie. And, uh, uh there's he a wants scene where him he, like, on the field. he like gives him a thumbs up, <laughs> you know, that's like his <laughs> character arc, you know, um, which I, just about everybody comes around to him uh, except for the coach. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it, is this the greatest Vince Vaughn for performance of all time? No. Is it a movie that I'm going to go, that's a Vince Vaughn movie? No, right? Um, but it's definitely the next step in his career, right? We, we, we went from a movie where he was not in it at all, he was an extra, to a movie where he got to say some stuff and do some stuff and have a name. And then his next movie, he's like the second biggest character, right? Behind the guy who wrote the movie. Um, so So he's definitely hustling in terms of his filmography right you know i'm sure there was a lot of uh, you know failed auditions and and guest spots on tv and commercials and this and that and the other thing but in in terms of movies he, he's definitely hustling and one thing i found really interesting was that he's credited as vincent vaughn in this movie and that feels very much to me because he never did that again right it feels very much to me like i'm a serious actor I am in a serious sports drama. I am in this prestige movie that everybody's going to see because everybody sees these sports dramas. And my name is Vincent. <laughs> yeah, it does. And honestly, you know, we're lucky that we got Vince Vaughn with Swingers because I really think he could have pulled a Vinny on us with that one. So, you know, if he was really going for the, like, <laughs> the crediting names to match the vibes of the movie, I think we could have got a Vinny out of him. But yeah. I think, I, I imagine John Favreau sitting in the apartment that they filmed it and being like, I think Vinny is a little too far. I'm going to give you some advice that you probably should not use. But I think Vince is a happy medium. And now we have Vince Vaughn. um and one more thing about uh rudy you know these movies got crap for a long time for saying based on a true story and being just the, the the faintest touch of the true story and really just embellishing most of it to make it more cinematic and dramatic the real life rudy is notorious for saying that this film is 92% accurate. And, Which is pretty dang good. <laughs> right, right, right. And, you know, he also had a lot to do with the movie. Like, he's the one that sold his story. Like, he was trying to get this movie made, right? And 92% is pretty good. All of the best parts of the movie are in those 8% that were made up, right? The, the notorious thing that just never, ever happened is the scene where they lay the jerseys on the coach's desk, right? Which is the, I mean, aside from, you know, the climax where he actually gets to play, but up until that point, that is the emotional height of the movie, right? Like, that's the first time where, like, people believe in him and they rally around him and they speak up for him. 
And that's entire, entirely made up, right? The scene that is perhaps like the most um, representative of like the themes of the movie is the thing that never happened. And, yeah. uh, and the coach um, said for many years, you know, it never happened. If anybody had ever placed their jersey on my desk like that, they would have never gotten it back. <laughs> And, you know, he is, the coach is given a really hard time. And this is a guy who um, had a good career and, you know, had tough decisions to make and didn't want to play the 110th guy on the bench, right? Um, but those moments where they embellish it, where they make it more cinematic, like where they raise the stakes, those are the best parts of the movie, Right. The scenes where he's like studying with John Favreau's character, or the scenes where he is on the practice squad, sure, right? Like I'm sure, like this is exactly how it happened. And so it's interesting that you know these movies got a lot of crap for a long time. They make stuff up. They're barely a true story. Blah 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 blah. I think a story like this shows if it's just a story about a guy who, you know, works at the lumber mill or the steel mill, I think it is, until, you know, he can save up some money and go to school, and then he studies to get into school, and then he doesn't play football. That's not a very interesting movie. No. And, right. and there are parts of the movie that are not interesting. You know, when Patrick and I were watching this, it felt like, maybe we were just tired when we were watching it, but it felt like he got, like, nine rejection letters, and we were like, God, how yeah. long has he been in community college? So just yeah. every scene is him going to the mailroom and, you know, doing things in between before he gets another rejection letter. But I think, you know, what were you, what you were saying about the 8%, you know, being made up, I think that's just a testament to how manufactured these are. And, you know, I'm not saying that the, the 100% or the 99% movie would have been any better, but I just think that, like, you know, they clearly have this kind of formula they're, that they're following and for good reason. Yeah, they it, sold. They sold totally big and right. people like us are hooked. I mean, you just talked to the people who just saw Marry Me this weekend. Like we are suckers for um, a formula. So, you know, they know what they're well, doing. I'm not, I can't really fault I'm them. I'm not against the formula, right? But I just think it's interesting that the movie is at its best when it's writing the formula, right? Like when it is saying, yes, we are one of these sports dramas where they, you know, overcome some sort of challenge. Those are good movies. Everybody likes all of those movies, right? Um, and it when this really goes for it here and, and, and digs deep into that, that's when the movie is at its best and it's most interesting because it's when it's at its most dramatic and it's falling back on all of the things that the movie knows the audience is going to like. Another example of something that, that you know, sort of embellished is this idea that Rudy got um, carried off the field by his teammates, right? Um, apparently, yes, that did happen. He did get carried off the field by his teammates. Um, but... It was done by some guys who were like the team pranksters. And they were doing it sort of to make fun of him, right? That God, these people are just awful. Like <laughs> you you know, I you know, I know that this is a feel good movie, 
But, you know, not every feel-good movie takes it so far to the negative end to where, you know, they could just, like, give him a high five and it would be, like, a triumphant ending. Like, this guy has just been through so much and has endured so much bullying that it's like, I'm so happy that he got this wonderful, amazing ending, but, you know, anything would just be better than the reality. I think that's the thing. That's the thing. It's like... Did he technically get carried off the field by his teammates? Yes, right. However, the this movie would never in a zillion years play it the way it actually was played, right? They're going to play it the yeah. way that Rudy remembers it and the way that it is better for the movie. And so I think it's unfair when these movies get this kind of criticism because mm-hmm. – those tweaks and those changes and those added moments and those added scenes, they're what makes the movie a good movie, right? It's what, it's what makes it a narrative, right? It goes from being a documentary, being a biography. These are the things that happen. It takes it that next level. And, and moments like that are what made Rudy like such a, a popular, long-lasting film. And I am... Personally, very happy they made it because, like I said, I have a lot of childhood memories tied to this movie and watching it with my mom. And I do genuinely feel like this movie, beyond just being feel good, the message is so clear about, you know, just trying your hardest. And I think it makes me it makes me happy that, you know, Rudy Rudiger is now a real life motivational speaker and who he, who he is someone who is hopefully transforming lives today and encouraging people to try their hardest. And we're also not going to watch for this project, at least a lot of movies like this. Right. Um, Vince does a lot of genre movies. And this is definitely like early career guy who was going to take whatever audition yielded him a role and a job and some money, right? Once he starts making decisions and making his kind of movies, he leans really hard into different genres, right? And um, this is not something we're going to see very often. It's definitely an outlier in his filmography. Um, And so I'm glad for the research project part of this that we got a chance to sort of touch on that span of Hollywood and those movies that were made for a really long time and the movies that we just don't see anymore. Yeah, and, you know, there's going to be, I think about, you know, the future weeks of this podcast and just think about all of the comedies we're going to watch. Yes. So it is really nice, like you said, to see this kind of, um, I mean, it's not niche, obviously, there are so many movies, but it feels niche now because we don't see it very often. But, you know, when we set out to start this project, we talked about how he truly is a actor who has pivoted to whatever best suits his needs um, to get work. Not that that's always, you know, the end all be all, but he has, he has touched on so many different genres and facets of Hollywood. And like you said, long form TV shows and things like that. So this is just a testament to all of the parts of Hollywood he has touched. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, classic studio sports dramas with a big budget and and recognizable actors that was released in movie theaters, right? We basically do not see that movie at all anymore. And so although I'm not the biggest fan of Rudy, uh, partially because I've seen it 9,000 times, um, you know, it's, it's, it's 
uh, something that just doesn't exist in film anymore. And so if you want this kind of movie, you got to go to the classics because they're just, they don't make them like this anymore. They do not. So with that being said, Patrick, how many Rudy's do you rate this out of five? <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Um, I, I'm going to give it two and a half Rudy's out of five. And that's because that is, I feel exactly 50-50 on this movie. This is a, a totally personal thing, right? It does all of the things right. It makes no bad decisions. It hits all the cues. hits all those memorable moments. It's long-lasting for a reason. It is a good film. That's that 50%, right? My personal 50% is I never want to watch this movie again, right? <laughs> I've seen it enough for 11 lifetimes. I'm good, right? Uh, I promise you. That is the very last time I sit down and watch Rudy from beginning to end. And so that just my personal bias coming into this, I just really just had no interest in revisiting it. And so like, yes, it's a good movie. It does all the things it's supposed to do. I just, I, I cannot say that I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of what it is, but sitting down and watching it, uh, I'm good. I don't need to do that anymore. You pretty much took the words out of my mouth. I also, on Letterboxd, gave this a 2.5 Rudy's out of 5. You know, at the end of the day, like, you know, our, our Rudy's are, we're making this up, right? It doesn't, it doesn't essentially matter, right? The, the, the point of all this is less what we think about the movie and more about, like, what can we find in this movie that just is about filmmaking and consumer culture and what movies were released in the 90s and are simply not released or even made today, right? Um, and, you know, maybe it's not our favorite movie. Um, it's definitely not mine. Um, but that's not what we're here to do. With all that being said, I'm going to quickly give you two, two snippets of my favorite IMDb trivia. I got to tell you, there is a lot of just, you know, this was true, this was not true, this was tweaked a little bit. Like you could spend all day long like picking apart the things that they changed. I've already I've already um made my feelings known on that. And I think it's also um uh, representative of the movie that the IMDb trivia is not particularly funny or charming and it doesn't have that usual like flair that I that I find in these in these sections um because it's very cut and dry and it, it feels very like of the movie right but I found two things really interesting that I that I thought spoke to sort of um the culture at large uh number one is in 2008 Senator John McCain used the track Take Us Out from Jerry Goldsmith's score as his official anthem in his presidential bid. Wow. It feels very much like John McCain, who's a guy, you know, respect, right? John McCain probably loved Rudy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. And then my second bit of trivia, I think, reflects some of the things I mentioned earlier, and I think is sort of a good summation to end the conversation around this movie because there's a lot more to say about the movie than there is about Vince, right, in this particular case. It says, in real life, Dan Devine, who was the head coach, was very supportive of Rudy 
and elected to put him in the game on his own. Right, He didn't need that Rudy chant. It says, because Divine considered Rudy a friend, he volunteered to play the villain in the movie in order to get the film greenlit. Right? So this guy who, in his real life, as a college football coach at a, a, a well-known college football university, had a difficult time making a decision like this, right? Like, it, it probably weighed on him. He liked Rudy in real life. He, like, he liked him. He found him charming. He liked his perseverance. He liked all of the things that we as the audience like about him. Um, but that wouldn't make the movie interesting, right? You need somebody to stand in the way. You need that obstacle. You need that man versus man, right? And because Rudy was his real-life friend and he respected him and he wanted this movie to get made, he sort of gave him his blessing to allow his character to become a villain. And I bet you Dan Devine is probably more known as the guy who wouldn't play Rudy <laughs> as the guy who actually did play Rudy in real life, right? Uh, longtime head football coach. Only coached at Notre Dame for a couple of years, retired after that, didn't coach again. You know, a legacy outside of the university that is probably most well-defined by his portrayal in this movie. And we're not going to get to have this conversation a whole lot more because Vince is in a lot of silly movies, and he's in a lot of comedies, and he goes hard into genre. And so I just find it really interesting that we got this opportunity because Vince isn't in the movie a ton to sit down and talk a little bit more about how these kinds of movies get made, why they get made, why we love them so much, why they're so long lasting. The politics of it all. The politics of it all. And what decisions were made along the way to tweak the story, to make it a better movie. And clearly they did it because this movie is beloved and long-lasting, and everyone has seen Rudy. Everyone loves and appreciates Rudy to a certain degree, and um, it's not very divisive, which I don't think you'll be able to say about some of the comedies and some of the some of Vince's later choices as we as we get farther into his career. I think you summed that up pretty well. I had a good time watching Rudy, but I am excited to continue on in his filmography. I think that's a good place to end it, folks, right? That's what we're going to continue to do week after week. We're watching every single Vince Vaughn movie. We're two down. We've got another 12 months of this project to go. Um, when... We see you next week. We'll be talking a little bit about Swingers, which we're definitely excited to dive into that conversation. For many reasons, for me, most of all, you get a chance to really talk about Vince and who he is early career, who he is as an artist, how he's finding himself as an artist, and the beginning of that collaboration um, with John Favreau that, that Taylor touched on, which is going to be a long-lasting theme in our conversation. And if you are not already, I encourage you to follow us on Instagram at Vince Vonathon. I post lots of great throwbacks and movie clips that I would love for you to see. And if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, that is at Vonathon. Vince Vonathon without the Vince, at Vonathon. And if you're enjoying the show, uh, rate us five stars. Leave us a nice review. Subscribe. Tell your friends, right? It can be found wherever you find your podcasts. 
We are the Vince Vonathon. I am Patrick. I can be found at Patrick J. Regal anywhere you find people online. And I am Taylor. I am at Taylor Lee Malone on Instagram. That is T-A-Y-L-O-R-L-E-I-G-H-M-A-L-O-N-E. And on Twitter, I am at Mailer Talone. Thanks for listening, folks. See you guys next week.